This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today I'm super fired up. We've got Scott Brown. He is the president and CEO of Fifth Avenue Real Estate Marketing. This is a great episode. This is a a great episode. Past guest fan favorite, Scott Brown. We actually reached out to Scott again, and there's a reason for it to come back on the show. One, Fifth Ave is super active in the Fraser Valley, but he also has his hands in marketing pre-sale properties in Vancouver. Yes. On the island, in the interior. Scott has his finger in many, many markets right. and his finger on the pulse. So it's so great to have him back on the show to talk about where we're at. Scott has, uh, he comes on the show almost quarterly and uh, one of my favorite kind of recurring guests of ours, just because he, there's always some real takeaways. He's never afraid to put his, his, his neck on the line. He makes bold predictions. He's been doing this for a long time around the world yep. and he's super insightful. Yeah, no, for sure. This is a great episode, but before we get to that, Matt, I got to say, we've had a lot of people posting on Instagram, sharing their favorite episodes. We did a bit of a contest. We're going to be getting some shirts, some V-Rep shirts out. We've had people as far away as Germany reaching out for t-shirts. Can you believe that? We didn't anticipate anticipate shipping and handling when we we made this offer. No, we did not anticipate that type of shipping and handling. (laughs) But it's it's been a huge success. But it's flattering. We're global. The Vancouver Real Estate Podcast is global. And the number number one comment is, these shirts are really, really good quality. Signify quality. Yes, exactly. Like the the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast itself. Yes, exactly. It's almost a reflection of the show. We, we want to get you a shirt. So head over to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on Instagram. You can share your favorite episode, tag us in it. We will repost it and uh, we'll try to get you a shirt out. We've got a list of people that we're working on getting some shirts out to. I got to say, we ordered 200. We still got a lot left, but man, we should have ordered more medium and large. Yeah, a lot, a lot of larges have disappeared <laughs> and a lot of smalls seem to be hanging around. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, this is something I want to read. A uh, friend of the show a fellow agent out there who will remain anonymous, uh, right. but a good friend of the show. She reached out to say, uh, Dustin Woodhouse should be a voice actor, which uh, <laughs> never on. thought of it. But now that she says it soothing, he's like the Barry white of, uh, of mortgage advising. Yeah, no kidding. I, I didn't even think of it, but it's funny. Dustin Woodhouse. I feel like um, if he wasn't doing mortgages, he could, he could do anything he wants, including voice acting. He's a bit of a Teddy Pendergrass. <laughs> Um, number two, she says, Tom Davidoff is a legend. Fat Joe featuring Ashanti. What's love? Come on now. It's on repeat in my car. Yeah, that's come up a bunch. It's come up on Twitter. Tom's music choice. Let's just say, yeah, the Halloween party this year was was off the charts because of Tom's inspiring music choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And my daughter now, it's uh, it's Frozen. It's Encanto. And it's what love, what's but, love. But what's love, the explicit version, when I showed it to my daughter, I thought, ah, there's probably, uh, you know, some, some uh, F-sharps in there, you know, yeah. whatever. Like the, the, the first, the, the opening line. I don't know if you know it, uh, but it's, uh, it's pretty aggressively explicit. Is Jaw Rule in there? Jaw Rule is in there. <laughs> ruined by, I, I guess I said this to you before and you said, uh, everyone's always hated Jaw Rule, which I didn't know. But the Fire Festival documentary, which I only watched recently, yeah, man, does he come across like a like a doofus? Eh? You know who I used to get mixed up uh, a lot when uh, Jaw Rule and DMX, which I think is a is a huge yeah, a real slander to, to DMX. Uh, to I DMX. Think. And and but here's the thing: there's a great Jay Z. Uh, I can't remember where that where that was. I think it was on that YouTube The Barber Show. When they interview, they, it's like an interview show, whatever. It's like a, a video podcast, call right? It. Uh, but, anyways, long story short, 
Jay-Z has some really great story about opening for DMX. And, uh, oh yeah, I remember and, you sharing this with me or, or no going on after DMX. Yeah. That's what it was because yeah. And it's like, cause DMX was like, would be like growling, growling the in the back and, and like every, the, the whole, whole place would explode. Yeah. And, and then Jay-Z would have to follow him. And it's, uh, anyways, it's, uh, it's worth listening to. So if, if you're tuning in, uh, this is about real estate. <laughs> if you're still uh, here, if you're still here, it's not only nineties and uh, early two thousands rap, uh, on this show. Matt, what else do we got before we cut to this conversation with Scott Brown? You know what? I think we just covered it. Uh, random <laughs> thoughts on live hip hop. Uh, maybe we should cut to Scott Brown, president and CEO of Fifth Avenue Marketing. This is a great conversation. And like I said, really, he's he's the, uh, I think Scott Brown was the first person to come on the show and kind of talk about Burnaby becoming the center of the lower mainland, which right. has really shaped my thinking over the years. And I think has totally come true through the pandemic and kind of the flattening of the pricing. He's just got a lot of really thoughtful things to say. So stay tuned and uh, enjoy. Yeah. And uh, Scott's uh, best area for investment. You're going to, you're not going to want to miss this. Absolutely. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the lower mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one-beds to three-beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Scott Brown. CEO of Fifth Ave Marketing and past guest, fan favorite. Uh, welcome back, Scott. It's uh, You're here almost quarterly, and we're very thankful for that, but for uh, for a bit of a market update and a catch-up. But how are you doing, Scott? <laughs> I'm well. I'm glad to be back. Uh, I'm obviously a regular listener, so it's kind of nice to take a turn and be a talker. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Scott, we should say you you uh, you wear a lot of hats. You you got a bunch of stuff on the go, and uh, I I'm not doing you justice by just bringing up Fifth Ave. But what else are you doing these days? Well, uh, I'm glad you asked that because you know at the core we have a common kind of approach and process, but we very much believe that BC is much more regionalized than our sister company in Ontario. So I'm the CEO of Fifth Avenue with a great leadership team. I was a CEO and I was, but I'm the founder of our downtown-based and Burnaby Richmond-based firm, Baker West, whose marketing, you know, include their their listing of this, you know, amazing world's tallest passive house that we can talk about later. And then I'm the CEO of our Okanagan-based company, Epic, and we have a very strong president and leadership team up there. And then I'm uh, I'm on the board, kind of in a, in a strategic partner to our island-based company. It used to be called the Condo Group, and now they're called Island Realm Real Estate. So I cover the province that way, and then we have one team here in our in our Surrey office who provides shared resources to all four of those businesses. You know, back of house and important admin processes and that. So I kind of float around the province. I keep an office at home, and then I'm in you know boardrooms across our entity. So I do really get the privilege of seeing such a great province, but of having my fingers in four interrelated yet unique local kind of sub geographies or markets. And, and Scott, you, you said more regionalized. Um, I don't know if I understand that, but I'm just curious. So is BC compared to Ontario? So there's a difference there? 
Well, there seems to be, um, and, and I'll explain it in, in Ontario, for instance, right? I use a beer example, okay? So in Ontario, they have the big Labatt's factory or Molson's in Montreal. And, and so our sister company, Baker there, does about 6,000 pre-sale units a year between Ontario and Quebec, all under one brand. No firm in our business has been able to be that strong across the entire province of BC, right? And we observed this and went, okay, some people work in them, but there's no local leader supplier who's embedded in the development community on the island. So that's why we partnered with Island with Condo Group and Island Realm. We said, we'll bring our systems process and some developer relationships, but we want people who are in that market every day, who are senior, who can speak to the local UDIs, know the market cold. So rather than having somebody always have to come in Vancouver to drive it, we have local leadership there. We have local leadership. Our president has lived in Kelowna for like 35 or 40 years. So we have local leadership in Kelowna for the Okanagan. And we have our downtown leadership is focused much more on sort of high-rise mid-market and upper-market, whereas Fifth Avenue, our staff here and our leadership really lives and breathes the suburban markets in the Fraser Valley. So one common platform, four different brands of beer, all really recognized as local leaders. So that was an intentional strategy for us. And and we have clients who work with three or four of them and said, hey, I love the local leadership, but it's a consistent process and experience. So that's important too. And thanks for using beer so Matt understands. Um, (laughs) I've got it down cold now. (laughs) (laughs) So Scott, we're we're gonna uh, now I'm thirsty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, we want to jump into uh, maybe we'll start with the Vancouver market, but then we'd love to do kind of a tour around the province and maybe even a little bit about uh, Ontario and what's going on in in Ontario. But maybe to start things off, uh, how's the market in the, in the Lower Mainland? Well, you know, it's funny having been doing this for a long time and then having put out the Fifth Dimension Research Report for like twelve, thirteen years. The market to me feels like 2013-14, okay? So mm. because 2021 was such an outlier and you know, and the market was going so fast and everything was absorbing, we just took all our sales teams away for both our two Vancouver firms, put them in a conference center for a day or two up at Loon Lake and Maple Ridge, and we said, guys, we have to reset our mind. We have to look at our hearts. We have to look at our process and behaviors. Because what got us through 2021 is not going to get us through the next three years, right? We got to go back to basics and really, you know, discipline, follow up, everything. So there is a good market out there for for pre-development. It's uncertain, and then that's probably the one word I hear the most these days is that the in globally, locally, everything. There's more uncertainty there has been, but there are there are still demand for new product. The single family market is obviously, you know, more in kind of a, you know, a correction mode, but it's still ahead of where it was a year ago. But, you know, what I expected to see in September, I think we'll see in October is that month after month, less sales than last month. I think that pattern is going to break itself. I think that we'll, we'll sort of, you know, I think we're close to stabilizing on the resale market. Mm-hmm. Although the apartment values have been holding themselves more than the single family has, but I think the one thing about the Vancouver Metro Vancouver market is developers here are they don't break the one sin that I've seen broken globally where if they don't think it's there or they're uncertain they don't force it okay so a lot of developers in Vancouver have just said hey you know what I'm going to push my start of my sales of this tower out of Q4 and into Q1 or 2 next year and I'll know a little bit more about that. And so that on the new side can throw the sales numbers off. And you know, when that happened the last time, happened twice happened in 2020, obviously that happened in the spring where people stopped right. and then brought product out in September. But the other time it happened, people forget was Q4 of 2019. And what was Q4 of 2019 coming off the heels of all the government intervention in July of 2019 right? The market took a pause and 2019's total sales were the lowest since the global recession. Now there were still almost 8,000 homes sold. We're not anywhere near 219, right? Things have definitely, you know, people are a bit more cautious, but, but I don't believe that the Q3 and Q4 sales are going to be anywhere near as low as they were in 2019. 
So I think what's interesting across Metro Vancouver is that, you know what, Surrey City Centre is still pretty active, right? Wood frame products in any market, including Coquitlam, because they're affordable and because of the new interest rates. And that's the thing. You know, we always do our business planning for 2023 this time of year, and we started in, in August. And, and I kind of look, go back and, okay, what did I get right last year and where did I blow it? Where I got right last year was that I expected interest rates to go up and to put more pressure on and, and create more demand for for wood frame and more affordable condominium and town-owned product. What I got wrong was the magnitude at which the interest rates were, went up. Right. But the other one, but the other one was the compound effect of inflation. We literally spent part of this year talking to all of our clients about how much not to sell and hold back until they're 100% sure of their costs. So the cost side's not moving off. So that was a bit of a surprise. So in Vancouver, developers are looking at their costs and going, "Look, you know." I, I may not release product until I'm sure of my costs because I can't, you know, if I come out and I need to lower my prices to market, but my costs don't allow me, I'm stuck. So this is a very sophisticated market. And I think people are just taking, some people are taking a pause and some people on the other hand are looking at hard data and going, no, no, it's the data is telling me to go forward and sell. But so that's the, you know, this uncertainty and there's, there's another air of caution in the market. But if you've got affordable stuff right now, it's moving. And that's such a relative term in Vancouver, right? Right. Yeah. But the other one that's interesting is there's – so we're seeing this thing you asked about Toronto. So Toronto, the developers normally are a little bit more quick to delay there. Um, but talking to our CEO, Barbara Lawler of Baker, that she's continuing with launches, and they haven't really felt that that delay yet. Or pullback, their 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 tower market is doing well, but they re- released kind of their first ever twenty four hundred square foot, you know, super luxury, and it's been really well received through this summer and fall. And so I said to her, "Is this a case of there's always a market for a one of a kind and a first of a kind?" And she said, "A hundred percent." And so that's what Baker here, Baker West, is doing with the curve is that our database is growing by five or six hundred people a week right now who are interested in really the Tesla of condominiums, which is the curve.ca, the world's tallest passive house. So this is a big experiment of this passive house technology. It's such a weird term, right? Sounds like a place where a bunch of people live and they're not really assertive and they don't really ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1967. But apparently, it's, apparently it's not about that. Apparently it's about the environment, <laughs> that it's passive on the environment. So this is a big experiment. And so it's interesting to see like Tesla, will this technology and approach to development become mainstream? Because Tesla and electric cars really are now much more mainstream, right? It's not a, not a big surprise to hear somebody bought one anymore, right? right. The big surprise is to hear they sold their place in line. Because <laughs> those numbers are, you know, five, six hundred a week in this market in terms of registrations seems yep. seems pretty robust. Is this a case of kind of early adopters, people that are, is, is it really the passive house? that's driving that or is it, is it kind of just a, uh, cause like just from thinking of what we're seeing on the ground right now is I think you're right about potential stabilization here, but open houses are very, very busy right now too. Like we're having yeah. tons yeah. of people through opens, not, not so many yeah. offers, but tons of people through opens. Yeah. And so I'll answer that in a couple of ways. First of all, whenever we've been in these cycles before, I always go back and go, okay, so how's the consumer thinking and feeling the consumer right now is thinking that, they're not blind to the fact that these little kind of situations in Vancouver don't tend to last. And if you put yourself five years in the future, you know, from today, you're probably feeling much different than you are today. So that is driving a a lot of curiosity, but people just want to make sure they're not going to be embarrassed by making a decision. Right. And so we all as, as, as advisors have to make sure we do a much better job understanding our clients' needs, their risk, their goals. And so it, it really does. I think, in the resale market too, not you guys, but other people. I think 2021 bred a bunch of bad habits, including not listening to your customer and really helping them make good decisions. But I think, you know, we're back to that again. You got to go back and actually advise your clients because you can't just say, well, that's going to be gone in a week. So take it or leave it. But in the case of curve, I think you are right in that it is, it's, it's early adopters to people who believe that they can live in the downtown, but they believe in that, you can live differently. You can have, you know, beautiful architecture 
So the gentleman, I remember we got, we got the chance to interview the architect, gentleman named Tom Wright. And it's a rainy night and we're, we're here, but he's in London. He's like eight hours ahead of us. And it's a rainy night. He's got this candle, almost like a vibe and, and uh, very chill guy, very humble. And um, so we said to him, like, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, you know, what drew you to this? And he said, well, what I was known for when I, when I did architecture in Dubai was my job wasn't to sell a building. My job was to basically sell Dubai to the world through architecture. And he goes, now my job is to actually help take sustainability in this concept of passive house and sell it to the world. Cause this is the first time it's ever being done in a high rise tower format over 60 stories. Probably, I don't know if it's ever been done above 12 stories. So I think people are very keen to see how that works. And there are always people who are collectors who want to be the, on the first of or a one of a kind. But I do think you nailed it is that there's early adopters who, yeah, they want Tom Wright architecture. It's beautiful, right? But they also want, want to believe and buy into a concept that is likely to go around the world. Right. Interesting. I just want to just quickly before we get to other markets in BC, in thinking about passive house, one of the things that comes to mind is they're they're really efficient buildings. Does this impact uh, maintenance fees? Well, you would expect it to, but again, the disclaimer is they have to essentially the you know early adopters is yes it will, but the point is how much they're going to measure. These buildings are going to have you know systems and measurements to be able to actually create the case studies to go and talk about to other developers around the world. So um, it will, especially because, you know, how it regulates, you know, heat and, and you know, light and use of light. Um, so it's going to be, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not an experiment in terms of development, but it will create a compelling data set for people to look at. Right. How about moving around the province uh, a little bit, Scott? So um, can we talk about some of the other markets, maybe starting with the Okanagan? And and it, sorry, Scott, it sounds like the big takeaway from, for me, at least in terms of the lower mainland was October is the, the stabilizing month, right? Because September was, was yeah, yeah. slower was, than August. Was, August was better than we thought. September was worse than we thought. I think October, November, we start to see that, you know, you, 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 until until we get to January and stop comparing to 2021, that stat will always look brutal, right? right. But the month over month, stunt, the stat is the stat I'm watching. At what month does sales actually, for the first time in five or six months, for, for instance, October, show a bigger number than September? I think it'll be October. Worst case, it'll be probably November. But I think then what we're going to see is that year over month over month story for the next little while will be flat or up as opposed to, you know, chasing down. Right. And then my point was in Metro Vancouver, there's still interest in new developments. People are still, you know, looking at places in Burnaby. There's still inventory still moving in Richmond. People have a little bit more time to be able to shop which means that they can be a little bit less pressured into making a decision. But a lot of what we're seeing, the people that are buying right now are having the five-year conversation. They're saying, okay, where do I think this will be? And they're not thinking about today. Mm-hmm. I had one of our investors who buys in, all, in, in a lot of our projects and, and I sat him down for coffee because when the market shifts, I spend a lot of time with our clients and a lot of time with realtors, just making sure that I'm hearing as many perspectives as I can. And so I said to him, he goes, Scott, well, you know me. He said, I'm always three to five years in the future. He goes, I'm not worried about the next three to five years because he goes, they can't replace this stuff at the cost that it's selling at today. So, you know, it's an interesting comment. Um, but again, you know, right now, yeah, things are you know, challenging and uncertain, but the long-term play in Metro Vancouver is still very strong. Right. Um, and by the way, we don't really have the immigration wave coming yet, Right. That's probably 2023. So what's that? What's that going to do? To, and I don't mean the foreign buyer. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you know the immigration wave, right? Because there are people who are going to be coming in here who are who will be citizens and residents who don't have homes, and they tend to move into the more central areas of Vancouver and then cause and then some certain people who are getting older in Vancouver tend to move out more to the suburbs. So. I just, that's the big question I'm asking myself next year is what impact will immigration have in 2023? Mm. Because it really didn't impact 2022 at all from what I can see. Right. Except uh, at least in, in the rental market, I think uh, oh, at yeah. least because yeah. I, I was involved in getting something rented and 
man, there's a ton of demand and a lot of those people were pretty new to the country. <laughs> well, here's where I'm glad you brought that up because I, it, I go back to 2008, 9, 10, 11, even 12, right? The reason that the, the investor left a lot of the markets, including the suburban markets, was because the rents weren't there and the occupancy, the vacancy rates were were high. Well, that's not happening this time. So that gentleman I mentioned, the reason he's still buying isn't just three to five years in the future. He knows there's not enough housing supply for the people who want to live here and have to rent. So the investors actually not left the building this year. They're just being very, very careful about where they buy and how much they spend in any one project. But we're still seeing active investors at all of our sites. Right. And normally, that, like in 2019, that turned off for a bit, right? Because they were a, a little bit uneasy. But the supply issue... Uh, is getting worse, not better, even though the market's slowing down. Right. And you know, Scott, one thing we've talked a bit about on the show, but going back to, you know, working with developers and and developers trying to manage their costs in, in an inflationary environment, A, has that stabilized? And, and B, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because we've talked a lot about if, you know, if building costs continue to rise and interest rates are on the rise in order to fight fight that inflation like it does seem like building and pre the pre-construction market may just come to a standstill uh cuz the market just doesn't support what it costs to actually build something like do you foresee that that as a possibility or or are we kind of past is it the transitory moment that we're kind of moving past i'm just curious to hear your thoughts well, I'll give you a couple of little anecdotes on that one. Um, we have three developers who had purpose-built rental projects ready ready to go right, to start financing them and everything. And with the interest rates, that even with the deal they got with some government funding and that, they don't work. So get it. So what they did, they converted to for sale and we're going to market, right? Right. And we're having success. So that's there's one in Victoria like that. There's another one in Kelowna like that, and there's another one coming up in Mission like that. So what we're seeing is some developers are switching actually to for sale because they, they figure there's more certainty there of costs and they're worried about you know the debt. Do I think the costs have stabilized? That's an interesting question because I do talk a lot. I think they're more stable than they were 90 days ago. Uh, there will be some volatility, but I don't. So what I think is I don't see them going up significantly. Uh, who knows what will happen with land or building costs. I don't see them going up significantly in the next year and a half to two years, but I don't see them coming down either. Mm-hmm. And so if people are waiting for new people to kind of discount current inventory, I don't think the developers are going to do that. I think they're basically going to just take slower absorptions and take their time to sell mm-hmm. um, because they can't, they can't afford to, right? One of the things there's a little myths in the market sometimes and and I've seen a lot of real actual pro formas in 20 some years and nobody's going to feel sorry for a developer. Don't hear that. But the point is a lot of them don't make as much money as you think they do. And they go to bed every night with a lot of debt on their pillow. Well, can you imagine if you're doing a big tower and you get a construction loan for $150 million and you're going to bed at night thinking about that on your pillow. So, so I do think, I do think that what we will see is that, and I am talking to some, there's some movement in different materials, but generally I think most of our clients have said, okay, we've seen the worst of probably the cost inflation. You know, they don't know where land prices are going, but they don't see them necessarily going down um, significantly at all. I don't hear anybody predicting that. I think them seeing flattening, but land is still very expensive, at least in Metro Vancouver. Mm-hmm. But the big question is, okay, so to what you said, if, what is the effect of inflation not allowing negative downward price movement on new product combined with interest rates? What does I think that mean? I think the condominium market is going to be very, very active for the next two, three years. The townhome market will still be active, but the townhome market is probably the one that overshot. Okay, So there was a neighborhood in Langley where four or five projects were marketing where their townhomes were a million, three, a million, four. And, now, and they weren't absorbing at all. Now they're a million, one. 900,000 a million one and they're absorbing plus Langley was getting more than South Surrey values. That's balancing. So there were some things in 2021 that just, they don't, the math doesn't make sense, but the behavior was there. And now those are, now there's a little settling down into that pattern. But you know, it's, if you're trying to buy a townhome and you know, your interest rates that much higher, 
you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of people saying, well, I'm not going to get entry-level townhome. I guess I'm going to live in a condominium for a while and build equity. So I think in the suburban markets, I think the condominium market is going to be quite active through the fall and into 2023. I think the townhome market will be a little bit more normal. And again, I go back to 14 led to 15, led to 16. Those were all three pretty solid years for the industry, but they also were good for the consumer. And then things started to really heat up in 17, 18, and then 19, they came screeching to a halt. And then we took that same pattern and squeezed it into, you know, oh, 2020 starts fast. 20, COVID happens. 2021 takes off. 2022 starts fast. And it's been slower pretty much. For some markets, it's been slow pretty much since May or June. Other mm-hmm. markets, yeah, you know, surprisingly. Although a lot of the new stuff in the Fraser Valley and that and the suburban markets, just turned on in the middle of August, right? We launched another project at Alder Grove Town Center quietly because we weren't sure. Started writing about three or four weeks ago, and you know, we're we're eighty, we're seventy five, eighty percent sold, right? You know, and it's in seven hundred dollars a square foot, but it's just there are buyers still out there, both end users and and, but they're tending to go. I think what we have to start doing is looking more, and our teams do this, run the interest rates. And you almost use a mortgage payment to back your way into a unit mix. Right. <laughs> Instead of, right. Right. Because it's going to be what can people afford? Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. Scott, in, in th- before we get to the, the rest of the province here, maybe it makes sense to unpack the lower mainland and, and the idea around the uh, condo being kind of the, the strongest market moving forward. Where, like, which sub area do you think is going to be most active? And then also, what price brands are you talking about? Is it, is it mostly entry level? Well, it's funny because, you know, we used to be able to talk about, you know, starting from $290,000 for a new pre-sale, maybe studio, and like that doesn't exist anywhere right now. But I think where both the first-time buyer and the end user are most active is between four hundred dollars and $750,000, right? And so that's, you know, and, and generally if you're in between four hundred and $600,000 with a condominium, in, you know, which means you typically there have to be in a, in a more suburban market, a, you know, a Port Moody, a Coquitlam, you know, out to Burnaby, parts of Burnaby, all the Burnaby high rise is definitely, you know, higher end than that and 1300, 1500 square foot. But I think all those areas that were driven by COVID growth of people moving out to get ownership and get value. Now there's another wave of buyers going out there because that's the only place they can afford it with the new interest rates. So again, mm-hmm. 
the downtown market is kind of this unique jewel. And I think the suburban markets are only going to be further solidified, right? And you're seeing that in Surrey City Centre's activity right now. You're seeing that all the way along the future buying of the, look at what Langs, do you know, like Langley City is a good example, okay? Three or four years ago, if you wanted to sell in Langley City, and Langley City, their approach to dealing with some of the, the, you know, there's a saying that, you know, you're either growing or eroding. And Langley City's core was was getting dilapidated, older buildings, rental buildings. And this is not gentrification. It's just modernization. So Langley City got busy and started approving a lot of new projects to basically transform themselves by offering new housing stock. And... But you had a discount off the township of Langley by fifty to a hundred dollars a square foot. You know, you had a discount against Surrey by twenty, twenty-five percent. And then when they announced that SkyTrain, right, that discount basically went away. And so you're sitting there now all of a sudden Langley City, people are buying and investors are buying rental stock because there is a real legitimate SkyTrain station coming there. So all along that corridor, Clayton. West Clayton along Fraser Highway, all that type of thing is where there's going to, there's a lot of investment activity and first time buying activity. Mm-hmm. That's going to continue. I do think the other trend, and it's funny having lived in, in times, different places and worked in California, California, you know, they always put their multifamily towers a little bit more like Toronto, either on subway or right by the highway. And I do think you're going to see more densification in North Langley by 200, for, you know, by the highway. I think you're going to see lots of densification along Fraser Highway. I think you're going to see more densification, you know, along Highway 1 where it's possible. But I think people are also going, okay, I still got it. One of us still has to drive, so where can we live near a highway? Because getting to the highway isn't as fast as it used to be. Hmm. So, so I think that, you know, anything to do with transit-oriented development is still very popular. But the Delta bus line, like Delta Scott Road, their big plan for for Delta, what they want to do along Scott Road there, is rapid bus that will tie easily into both Newton Town Center and into to uh, one of the SkyTrain stations in Surrey. That's going to make that corridor more active. So they want to densify. They want towers along there, and they're doing a rapid bus. So that's another area to watch. And I guess the sky, the idea there, potent or what I'm kind of hearing is because affordability, at least. In right now is so important. Skytrain, like transit-oriented development, is is often priced at a point where 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 first-time buyers and people that are really sensitive to these interest rates can't necessarily afford. Combined with the fact that you know at least one person's driving. Yeah, it can be that. At the same time, I think that, that there's certain skytrains like like Surrey City Center's numbers are still strong right, right, right now, even though things gone down because even though it still costs you a significant amount to buy land there now and development, you know, your price still in the $1,000 a square foot means you can still get a one bedroom, right, at a decent price that people can afford. So I think it's just the core is going to be much more challenging of Vancouver, the central part of it, where that's where it's either going to push to things like curve or just be rental because it's hard to make sense of trying to do something for, you know, an average buyer when your cost base is such that you have to be at $2,400 a square foot. So I think the center of gravity of kind of where people live and population is continuing to move East. And I do think like, you know, new Westminster will benefit from that as well. You know, so it's interesting to see that just that kind of pattern. And yeah, for some people, it'll be living a little bit further away and living, you know, near highway. I mean, right now, Mount Lehman, they're doing a massive redo of all of the access on the highway one from the westernmost edge of Abbotsford to service the growth. And right by that high street, which is was originally developed by Shape, it's owned somebody else right now. There's a whole high street village going in there. All the retail's already in. The, the all the walkable Cineplex, Odeon, VIP, and all the pubs and everything. There's no housing base right there. So between there and the other shopping center, there's a you know five or six condominium buildings going in 175 townhomes. And a lot of the people are saying with that new access to Highway One, it's a difference between me getting off at West Abbotsford and being able to afford a townhome here as opposed to living in Langley. Yeah, I got to drive a little further. But I don't want to go all the way to Whatcom Road or McCallum when I, when I go home. So that access improvement of the highway is going to make West Abbotsford all of a sudden very, very popular to the priced out of the Langley market buyer. 
So bouncing around the the suburban the suburban markets, just like in COVID, where they're driven, there's something else driven them here. It's called interest rates, and so we're going to continue to see a much more balanced market where the suburban markets continue to represent, and I include the tri cities in that. They're going to represent a larger and larger share of the overall volume of new development transactions. Makes sense. Right. And then what do you see in terms of, you know, what's happening with, with the growth? And so it's funny, there's bright spots. So right now, okay, Aldergrove Town Center, bright spot on the market. Surrey City Center, bright spot, right? Um, the Langley Townhome Market. Some developers have come back and been able to reprice to market, and they're getting rewarded with absorptions. But one of the other spots to sort of talk about it is Victoria. So Victoria's market was very volatile pre-owned this year and then turned back on, but it started very slow. But there's a number of condominium offerings targeted to more affordable people. So Royal Bay, for instance, there's the first offering in a master plan community, you know, in Colwood, right near the ocean. There's new commercial going in there called the Commons. And that first offering, you know, in three or four weeks has sold, you know, about 60%, which, by the way, Victoria market is not so sophisticated. I shouldn't say sophisticated. It's more skeptical of Mm pre-sales. So you tend to take more time to sell. So to sell in three or four weeks in these market conditions at over $700 a square foot, half a wood frame building is pretty notable. And there's local buyers being squeezed out of the Victoria market with new access and roads, like the new McKenzie upgrade to go, I can do it now. I don't, I'm not as worried as I was before about, so they've got their own little suburban action going on. And that market, if you're in the affordable stuff, again, between kind of five and 750, very active. We're seeing the same thing. Up in Kelowna on Knox Mountain, a project called Eminence, where it's a mix of locals and and investors from Metro Vancouver, and it's that same thing of 450 to 700,000, and they're active, right? So it seems to be that that's where both investors and end users feel comfortable right now. And and Kelowna was a bit like we'll go up to Kelowna because we want to talk about that. Kelowna this year, if I had to use a word to describe Kelowna this year, I would call it delay. They're going through, you know, their municipal election, and, and we'll see where that comes out. But there were a number of larger projects that were set to come to market that, due to the political environment getting very tense, their approvals were delayed, and they either just chose to miss it and miss this year and defer to 2023, or they just simply just stopped and said, until we know what the political landscape is like, we're not, we're not going to bring anything forward to the city. So this summer, other than, a, you know, last summer was the recreational renaissance and there were investors and end users everywhere and everything in the Okanagan was hot. This year, there was demand, but nobody was able to launch anything brand new this fall, largely due to approvals. And so the only thing new that really released was a second phase of a very, very exclusive end user targeted project called Movala. The rest of the market, other than it started off, you know, strong with some investor offerings in the downtown area, the rest of the market was quiet this summer. Um, People were around. A lot of people were away uh, more than normal out of the country for the first time in several years with that pent up demand. But I think that, you know, more product had it got to market in Kelowna, there'd be more sales. Penticton, there's so much pent up interest in Penticton, but two or three of the projects that were said to go this year, again, were either delayed or uncertain about their costs and chose not to go. So Penticton is one to watch next fall because the databases are growing, but nobody's got anything on. There's nothing new on the market right now, practically in Penticton. You know what? Just uh, we had Frank O'Brien on the on the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast from Western Investor, and he does the top five picks in BC, which I think Scott, you've done in the past on our show, but uh, but Penticton's been on his list for the last two years, and I think the last time you were on, that was one of your one of your top picks as well. Yeah, it was. It was one to watch. I said I, what I said. I think specifically was Penticton is next because Cologne is becoming denser and more expensive. Right. And and some people, you know, but again, both the interesting thing about why did we invest in the Island Realm and why did we invest in in the Okanagan and Epic and those local brands is a significant percentage of our buyers every summer, even this summer, are pre-retirement buying or relocating out of the growth that is Metro Vancouver. And those two markets are going to continue and the island as a whole, because the island as a whole actually picks up people from as far as Ontario who are looking to stay in Canada, but live, 
in a warmer climate. So, you know, we think there's tremendous growth coming in the Okanagan over the next five to 10 years and on, you know, pretty much, you know, the island all the way up to pretty much Comox. And, but the interesting thing is like, for instance, when we were, you know, one of our projects, 15% of our buyers in Victoria from Ontario. Huh. Somebody out there is saying, where would you go, Scott, with your money? And it's, and it's (laughs) Adam. Yeah. (laughs) And it's me. (laughs) With my money or my lifestyle is an interesting question. Okay. My lifestyle is such that I really, Fortunately, my 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 three sons are old enough that you know I don't have to be home as much as I used to be. So I I love I absolutely love getting up early in the morning and taking a ferry and working in Victoria for two days and then coming back and working in Surrey and then going downtown and then going up to Kelowna for two or three days. I just love seeing all of our province that way. So I'm kind of torn and I don't want to get divorced. I've been married 28 years, so there there's a factor there that as much as I love the island, my wife is not. She'd rather do the road to Kelowna or Penticton than she'd do the ferry. So the ferry's out other than me doing business. But I don't think I'm the only one who's stretching it around. But from a pure investment perspective, I would definitely be looking at, at Penticton. And there's opportunities as well um, for affordable housing that are going to come up in Vernon as well. But I think my first one that, that you know, if I'm looking for early stage growth, I'm definitely looking at Penticton. I think the long-term legs of Kelowna are great, but Penticton would be one where you know, I think you, if being first in this next wave of new development is going to get rewarded. And the other one is I'm starting to look just outside of Nanaimo, about 20, 20 minutes south to that whole Cowichan and Cowichan Valley and going, okay, with Langford and all that moving up, and it's not that far away, that area between south of Nanaimo and north of, of the suburbs of Victoria, it's one of the few places you can actually buy development parcels. I think that area is also going to go up significantly over the next three to five years in terms of both livability and, you know, also the real estate valuation. So those are probably the two quarters I'm watching pretty closely. I've had so many clients over the past year or so uh, going to the Cowichan Valley and and mostly into the detached market. But it, it seems like uh, it kind of reminds me of the crowd that was moving to Squamish, call it you know, seven or eight years ago, like young families, uh, a lot of people that are out uh, outdoorsy, they want, they want community and a lot of work from home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Squamish really, that's what kind of drove it. And then, and then it, you know, the other thing that really significantly benefited Squamish was let's go back to the Olympics and that road improvement. Right. Cause it, that really became kind of that. I used to joke years ago in the report that Squamish is the, is the North shore is Abbotsford. Right. You can do a bedroom community, you can run a small business. There's more and more employment around there than there was before. Like like Abbotsford, a lot of people don't realize that about 60, 65% of the people who live in Abbotsford actually work within 20 minutes of Abbotsford, right? So it's not like they're all coming into Vancouver right. to work. And the one product type, though, across BC that we can't seem to get because it doesn't make sense for developers, but the consumer wants it. Every time I get involved in something like this or write a research report, I get somebody 65 plus saying, when are you guys going to do some more master on the main? Kind of like a cultist lake, 1,500 square foot, no basement, single floor living, right? But in a bare land strata community, instead of giving me all this condominium stuff, I'm going, well, that stuff would sell all day long, but the developers have a hard time making the numbers work. Right. Mm. Interesting. Because the land cost is too high, right? Right, right. You know, I'm just thinking, and maybe this is shifting gears, but it's just thinking about these, you know, these opportunities you're talking about. And you've also highlighted some some kind of bright spots and, and some robustness in, in some of these pre-sale markets. Thinking back to, I guess, the relationship from between resale and pre-sale, but the idea that we're stabilizing right now, in terms of timing the pre-sale market, if that's, if that's, something that people are are trying to figure out right now is the play like buy today don't worry about interest rates for a couple of years and kind of you know plan for the worst but hope for the best type situation or do you, do you think it's going to be busier 6 months from now in the presale market or or is it kind of we're getting to kind of a, a down the trough well, there's a couple of different things. I'll, I'll kind of answer that a different way. What I noticed, and maybe you guys noticed this, because one of the questions I wanted to ask you, I know I was going to talk to you. Um, 
there are certain things in the world that have been hammering on the consumer's resiliency, okay? But one of them that I'm starting to wonder about, this last interest rate increase in September, right? After each of the earlier ones, our sales centers and everything and our phones fell and emails fell quiet for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then people kind of digested this last time. Is the consumer just ignoring it now? Going, okay, it, it, it's not good. I'm not happy about it. But are they, but are they becoming more resilient to it or numb to it? It's, it's so funny because we were talking, or I guess on the show over the course of this year, I feel like we used the analogy of getting punched in the face, like the market got, you know, like a jab to the nose. And it doesn't feel like that anymore, that that's happening in the last, yeah. And, and in October, I guess we're getting pretty close to the next, presumably, presumably yeah. the next rate hike. And I don't think it's going to have the impact that those, those ones earlier in the year had at all. No. And, but so, so from a consumer's perspective, I think they're getting used to it. And I think they're also going, okay, you know, we're seeing these people again going, okay, I need two years to save a deposit, right? We're also dusting off some of our old tools that have been improved now such as deposit loans. And so for, you know, I'll just make a number up, but it's not far off. I want to buy a condominium. I have 5%, right? I don't really want to do the CMAC thing, but I want to buy now and save. But for $1,700, I can have a company bond me for the other 5% of the deposit. The developer is treated the same way. His bank recognizes it. And now I haven't had to put as much down and I'm going to save for two years during construction because I need to get used to the new interest rate. And I think, I think what people are going to start to do is, yeah, they're going to have to, some people are going to have to adjust their lifestyle a little bit if they want to own, but they've got time to figure that out and say, okay, I'm going to put a little bit more into a mortgage. So something has to give somewhere else or other people are just going to go, no, I'm just, this just further defers my decision and I'll continue to rent either way. I don't see vacancies going up in the next couple of years. Do you? No, no. Right. So that means that if the pre-sale, if vacancies continue to go up and even with the government controls on rents, right, those are what they are and they may have to move up again. I think the difference is we don't have what we saw in 2008 where the investor just left building for a while. So there's still investors. There's still first time buyers. There's new tools to help them. So I think that, Again, barring any kind of outlier event, like our little flu bug we had for a couple of years, um, you know, and I say that facetiously, obviously, barring anything external, I do think that, you know, we're going to grind it out. Uh, my, I, I got asked to speak to about 200 and I got asked to speak to about 250 realtors the other day, just talking about it. And there were two developers there and the developers were very bullish about 2023. I kind of laughed and I said, well, Usually the marketing and sales guys not you know it's 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 he's more the rainbows and ponies guys you guys seem you seem very <laughs> bullish and I said to them I said we're going to have to work hard and it's going to be a grind for 2023 but I think 2024 and 2025 right remind me of again 14 15 16 there is sustained demand you will work harder for it the market will gradually grow up those markets have a lot of merits because you don't have this overheated pressure like we saw in 2021 on everybody right? Including materials. It's actually more sustainable. So I think that our market's gone through an adjustment that 20, of 2021, but I actually think it's going to be more sustainable and people will make adjustments and get used to the new reality of interest rates because they can't possibly go back to where they were anytime soon. Agreed? Yeah. And no, that, makes sense. That, that makes sense. And you see the weird marketing language or economic language coming up. What did they call it the other day? People should be very concerned if interest rates come down again because it usually means it was preceded by, what did they call it? An economic global accident. And I was like, <laughs> well, there's a new one. An economic global accident. Like, whoops, I just bumped somebody in the parking lot. And there goes the whole economy. So I saw that one. I was like, I had to read that article. I was like, what the hell is an economic global accident? So, <laughs> That's an eight dollar way of saying crash, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Scott, maybe maybe we'll leave it there. But we do have the segment, the five wire, five lighthearted questions that we end every show with. Uh, can you stick around for that? Yeah, I can. Let's go for it. The five wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive, tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect 
five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. Okay. Uh, we'll try to change them up a bit, but some of these I'm I'm curious because uh, we know that uh, you're, you're changing every, every time we have you on the program, but um, one book you'd recommend? Oh, great question. Atomic Habits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, book. That's, uh, I, I really, and you know what? His email that he sends out every week is fantastic. It's just like bullet points of four things you want to think about. But yeah, James Clear, really good book. You know, I've I've listened to that book now about three or four times, but there's almost, it, it's a good motivator for discipline too. Just constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, explains, it explains behavior pretty well. Yeah, so definitely that one. That was, that's one that I've, I've been talking to all our teams about as well. But yeah. You're on death row, Scott. What's your last meal? <laughs> I usually ask this as a different question, but it's kind of like funny. My wife said to me, I used to say, look, I'm preparing in case I get hit by a bus. She said, could you like just describe that as win the lottery instead? Because I don't really want you to get hit by a bus. But <laughs> my, so I think you got to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go totally risky here. Okay. Because they don't, the restaurants don't do it anymore. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to have like the garlic toast and the Caesar salad, but where they actually do it at the table with the real egg and everything. And you know, that, that, you know, salmonella, not, do I care about salmonella if I'm death row? No. Okay. <laughs> so do I care about whether I digest? So I'm going to have that. Then I'm going to stick with the theme. They're going to come out and they're going to do a steak Diane or something. And they're going to, fire it up at the table with a flame again. Lots of flames here to end up. You're going out, you might as well go out with a blaze of glory. And then I'm going to have like either a creme brulee or a really, really nasty, like lots of cherries and everything cheesecake. So, and then you know what? To go go with that steak, Diane, I think I just put my hand up and I said, I'm going to have a lobster tail with butter on that because I'm not really worried about my cholesterol if I'm death row. And that thing is, you know what? There is no better distribution system for garlic butter than lobster. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the 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 loan that keeps the developer up, and this is what keeps the sales team up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you tell the markets where we got more time to sit around. <laughs> what are you going to eat next time? Twenty twenty one comes. <laughs> Um, what is something that you've been binge watching lately or a favorite movie recommendation? Oh, that's a good one. Cause binge watching has, I actually have been so we're in the, I'm in like three fantasy football leagues and, and we're big like NFL fans and don't even want to talk about the blue Jays. But the point is, is that I don't binge watch anything right now because I'm on my phone all the time checking to see who got hurt, who made practices, everything like that. But I can tell you that my wife's watching something while I, cause I'm watching it on TV. I'm watching on my phone, but I'm sitting with her and she's into this, the gilded age or something or the gilded. And it's actually pretty cool. I just haven't admitted it to her, but <laughs> it's a period piece from New York and kind of the, some of the new and old wealth. And, the cast is amazing. So I've been watching. I just haven't told her that I actually. Oh, that actually sounds interesting. Is it? It's, it's New York based. I like that. Yeah, it's New York kind of new money meets old money. And it's, uh, but the, the cast is uh, super, super strong. Fantastic. Scott, I, I know you've worked all over the world um, and uh, and traveled quite a bit. I'm, I'm kind of curious, favorite vacation spot? Ooh. Uh, it's a tough one, but I'll give you two different types of vacations. One is if I want to do wine in the museums, Florence, Italy. Um, but my favorite, probably more recreational and wine in that was actually in Queensland in, in New Zealand. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just an amazing, like it's, they've got a great Pinots. They've got an amazing like hiking and tours and you can take helicopter tours. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you can go tour with the, where they filmed it and everything like that. So I really love that. And it's very, very chill. It's, it's even more chill than Australia. Huh? That's those are, uh, haven't had those Florence, Italy and Queensland. Sounds like sounds like you uh, you've had a good good run here, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> 
It hasn't been lately. <laughs> How's uh, Regina? <laughs> um, well, we got to end on a on a high note now. <laughs> after Regina, uh, last question: uh, something that you've purchased for under fifteen hundred dollars that's changed your life in the last few years. Oh, that's a really good question. I it didn't cost me fifteen hundred dollars, but I bought a new driver this year for golfing with, and I could not hit the thing for a month. And now I, yeah, I just love it. My dad used to joke all the time. He goes, "You hit that so well." He said, "It's like it's like part of your." He said, "Do you take it to work with you? Because it's like you're carrying it around all day. It's so close to you." <laughs> so a golf driver for like six hundred bucks or something. But and I got to ask because I'm in the market for a driver myself. Is it uh, what what brand? What are you what are you hitting? I'm a tailor-made guy, so I think it's a tailor-made Sim 2. All right. Well, I'm like I said, I've been uh, putting it off, but looking for, for a new driver. So thanks for the recommendation, Scott. You bet. Thanks again, guys, and look forward to hearing you for a couple more months, and then hopefully I can add some new comments the next time we meet. <laughs> and we won't be talking about the closing note to our listeners. We do, your listeners, we do not want to be talking about any you know, tragic economic accidents. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys. Yeah. Take care, Scott. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Scott Brown, CEO and president of Fifth Avenue Marketing. Always love having Scott on the program, Matt. He's always got great investment picks, you know, like it's just when you when you've been selling real estate and doing huge rollouts for you know massive projects all over BC and Canada and and beyond, and beyond. right? Yeah. Um, you know, you just have he has such a strong command on the market, and it's it's almost like I, I think he is very much reviewing areas, looking at stats, and and looking for gaps in the market. But it's almost like he can just riff, and it's it's you you know it's like just dropping gems. You know, I we say it, but uh, Scott proves that experience matters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else do we got before we cut for the day? What else do we have? We have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for all things real estate related. Uh, we have things like the Live Wire. This is our weekly mailer where you're getting stats before anyone else, different types of stats. We got the VIP presale uh, projects, a bunch of them on there, uh, sometimes commercial presale projects. We got Deal of the Month. There's no reason why you shouldn't be on the live wire. We also have, of course, private client services. Because, Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor-level information for free. It's available at your fingertips at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I should also say that right now is one of the best moments I can think of in recent history to have PCS set up because the asking price does not reflect the sale price. So you want to make sure that you're getting those sold prices Also follow us at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on Instagram. We're giving away shirts. Tag us in your favorite episode. We will repost it. We'll try to get you a shirt out. And uh, we've got some really, really great content coming as well. And Matt, next week, Another banger episode. We, we're we're putting so many episodes away. Well, you're going out of town soon, so we've yes. just been stacking them, and and it's it's crazy. I it's feel crazy. like we're on a real run here. We uh, we are. We're on a real run, and and I just want to say not only about the guests, and this is a plug for the live wire and uh, the upcoming episodes. Stats come out today or tomorrow, yep. and uh, I think October is going to be an interesting month. Right. So uh, with sales and the HPI price index, so. Stay tuned for that. And of course, sign up for the live wire if you want to see sub markets as well as those overall stats, but the sub markets and which ones are outperforming. That's that's what I that's what we love getting into uh, here um, and what forms our decisions. So also, last but not least, uh, Corey Wright doing God's work over at Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. That episode with Jordan McDonald, if you have not listened to that episode, head over and listen to it because Jordan, um, who is the uh, uh, founder at um, Fabric, Fabric. Yeah which is one of the more exciting, you know, small to mid-sized development companies in the city right now that's growing exponentially. Jordan is a friend of the show, but also we've been trying to get him to come on our show for a long time. Uh, he's been going on the commercial podcast. He's, yeah, he's like a five-timer club <laughs> he's, there. He's, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Every second week he, he shows up he for has, that podcast. He's <laughs> told me that he is coming on at some point. At, we're thinking spring <laughs> of 2023, we're going to get Jordan on the show but man, if you want to just get a sense of who that guy is, uh, head over and listen to the commercial podcast because uh, 
Uh, he never disappoints. That's that's absolutely correct. And if you want to talk about that or anything else, you can call me at any time, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And of course, we have that Kokomo line info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Well, thanks for li- listening, everyone. And obviously, the uh, best compliment that you can give us is by sharing this podcast uh, with family or friend that might find it useful. Please help us grow this show. Also rate us on uh, where you listen to the podcast or on Google at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. And if you um, want a shirt. And if you want a shirt, you can get in touch and yeah, share share your favorite episode. Share your favorite episode on on uh, Instagram and uh, we got a small shirt for you. <laughs> It'll fit one of your dolls. I don't know. It'll fit something. It'll fit your dog. Have a good week. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.